Hello people, and we are back Yep, it's it's another late one, but we are back as promised With the third episode of Echo Chamber And um, this is for Friday the 12th of October So today I'm going to um, give you reviews of Sometimes, Always, Never Um... Thunder Road, Been So Long, oh, sorry, well, sorry, Thunder Road, Duplicate, Been So Long, and Evelyn. So, I hope you, uh, hope you enjoy these, and I hope they're helpful in you, um, you know, deciding what you're going to watch in this, during this festival. Today's first film was Sometimes, Always, Never. This is the new film from Carl Hunter. Uh, it was produced by Sol Papadopoulos, Roy Boltler and Alan Latham. Uh, it was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce. And it starred Bill Nye, Sam Riley. Fresh from yesterday's um, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead, Jennifer Ugeta, and um, Alice Lowe. <clears throat> it is 91 minutes, so, you know, not too long. And it was from Double Dutch International. The uh, The breakdown of this one was... Sharp of suit and vocabulary, Bill Nye is winningly deadpan as scrabble-obsessed Merseyside tailor Alan, whose eldest son Michael stormed out of the house after a particularly heated round of the popular board game Never to Return. Years later, Alan and his other son Peter... Continue the search while trying to repair their own strange relationship. Working from a typically witty and astute script by veteran screenwriter Frank Cottrell Boyce, director Carl Hunter deploys a vivid visual style and striking production design to capture the shifting moods of a family who know plenty of words but struggle to communicate. A triple score worthy supporting cast includes Alex Lowe, Jennifer Ungeter and Tim McInnie. The thing with this film is you um I think there's the perception that it might be a bit humdrum you know, especially, I think it's just like some of the filters that are being used and um, the, yeah, the, the, the beginning of it. Because it's got a quirky kind of start, you know, it's very awkward. And that does kind of set the tone. But as things play on, you're just a bit like, okay, is it just going to be this one way? You know, it, like, you, you think, oh, do I know this film? But, you know, in fact, that it, it, 
that's not the way it is. You know, what we have here is this lovely tale of discovery. And it's not just one tale. You have, like, a father and a son, you know, that relationship. Them, you know, finding how they can best interact with each other. You've got a family, like, maybe they they, they normally don't really interact and talk, share each other's feelings, interact with each other's lives. But over the course of the film, you see them learn how to do that. Then you've got a couple, um, you know, they, they look like they're in love. Then you think, okay, was there problems? But then they rediscover themselves. And then there's a a boy and a girl. You know, it's funny, it goes from the boy being unable to interact with this girl, to even really look at her, to them finding his way, finding his voice. And that's what that the film is. It, it gives you all of these stories, and it tells them in such a compelling way, with such care and thought, that yeah, you can't not like this film. You know, it, yeah, it, it, it's it's an extremely nice, yeah, an extremely nice hour and a half's watch. You know, um. Yeah, there, there's a. It's it's a it's you know it's not, um, your typical humor. It's very deadpan, um, but there's some just great moments. Like there's this um Scrabble game, this little Scrabble hustle, that yeah it 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 just played out so well. It was it was it was such a great scene, um. Then you have, um, like, uh, a lot of the transitions were kind of signposted with, a like, a Scrabble-esque card that kind of led you into another scene kind of thing. And that, I think that fitted the film very well. And then there were these little um, uh, label notes that you see um in the in in the late half of the film and and you see them in in certain strategic places and that really um it works it works so well with um giving the scene another dimension uh, uh like leading you somewhere like um yeah kind of just helping to explore like a character yeah so that was um that was really good. Yeah, uh, there's some really nice landscapes that are kind of used in this film. And, and it, yeah, it kind of shows you that kind of... Because at the beginning, it does seem a little bleak, you know. It's like, will people find their way? And, um, yeah, so these kind of bleak little landscape shots kind of help to um perpetuate that 
so uh, yeah that is um that's good but uh there's this great um bus stop scene it, it's just it just makes you smile you know um <laughs> yeah it just works it really works and um the family i think um bill nye um yeah his son sam um peter sorry um he he's his family the way they um like kind of it's their dynamic it's just it's amusing and it just the dynamic changes throughout the film and evolves and grows and uh, yeah it's like all of these things coming together yeah just give you this really nice lovely film uh and i would say if you if you get the opportunity it it's re- it is really worth really worth seeing um the next chance you get with this will be sunday the 14th at quarter past 3 this will be at the odeon tottenham court road and then sunday the 21st at 8:30 at the view, at the view lesser square so you know why not end your festival with this film yeah i think that would be a, a great way to end it yeah I, I would say like look this isn't necessarily something that needs to be seen in the cinema but i would say look if if you have um yeah if you had the time and there's nothing else you know, if if you have the time, like, look, if you want to be cheered up, if you want a little chuckle, then this is the film for you. So that's it. It's sometimes, always, never. Okay. Okay. Sometimes you can see a film that just resonates, you know. It doesn't have to be the best film in the world, but there's something about it. You know, it's just like, it's that perfect storm of script, acting, direction, you know, it just all comes together. It, you know, you it's not even one of those situations where you feel, right, I've been in that situation, I can understand. But what the film does is it gives you an insight into those characters so you can emphasize for with what is happening in front of you you know you really kind of feel like you're a part of this thing you know and i think i've seen one of those films so i've just come out of the screening of um thunder road at the um yeah the film festival today um it's written and directed by Jim Cummings, produced by Natalie Metzig, 
Zach Parker and Benjamin Weisner. It's starring Jim Car- Jim Cummings, Kendall Farr, Nikan Robinson. Um, it's through Vanishing Angel, and it's just an hour and a half. You know, like it's 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 not even a um crazy long film. But it, it just feels everything about it just felt right. The, you know the length of the song; it all felt like it worked. You know, um, yeah. It's it does like I don't know. Like the, the the synopsis of the film is this: Officer Jim Arnon's Elegy at his mother's funeral does not go as planned. Struggling to stay focused as his emotions take over, the tongue-tied 30-something launches into a freewheeling diatribe of confessional digression. Go Panthers! Not helped by the fact that he cannot seem to get his mother's favourite Bruce Sting Sting song to play on his daughter's pink stereo. Consumed by sadness, Jim searches for some semblance of control in an otherwise crumbling existence, propelled by an extraordinarily unhinged central performance from writer-director Jim Cummings, um, who's expanded this story from a, a short film that he made in 2016. Um, Thunder Road is a painful, often blackly funny exploration of grief, mental illness and fragile male ego. It is centrally an uncomfortable watch, but also a rewarding one, brimming with disarming pathos and raw unfiltered emotion. I think that that sums it up pretty well. Although, you know, I don't know if I'd say it's an uncomfortable watch. I, you know, I, I found myself just entranced by the story and everything that was playing out in front of me, you know. It's just... I don't know, like, if, you, if you've been in those situations where, like, something... Bad has happened. Something not great, and you're you're trying to compartmentalize things. So you're trying to outwardly project that you're fine. You know, what I mean? you're, it's that positive visualization. So it's just like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Everything is great. You know, what I mean, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's do this. Boom, 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 boom. So he's trying to do that, but. Every now and again, like, you know, the fragments of despair uh, are coming through. You know, it, it, it's like he's made this puzzle and he's tried to hang it on the wall. And it's, it's and so the pieces are slowly becoming unhinged from each other. That That's kind of what this is. And that, that is, it's what you're seeing, you know. Um <clears throat> 
So yeah, as I said, look, you, you, it's, and it's very funny because the film it literally just starts. Suddenly, you're in the church. He's putting on his hat, uh, and it's just like, oh, oh, okay, boom, film started, and then it just goes into it, you know, and and, and he's trying to give this eulogy, and he's trying to be, you know, it's mean, the crazy thing. It's not a terrible eulogy, you know, he, but he's just being really sincere and he's he's trying to be eloquent and, and tell these stories and just give over what his mother meant to him. But he's just struggling, you know what I mean? It's one of those situations where, like, you 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 take him off stage. You'd be like, okay, that's great. Thank you, Jim. All right, so who's talking now? You know what I mean? You don't let him... Because he's falling apart up there. He is just falling apart. But as I said, it, you know, you you couldn't... You couldn't mock him for it. You know, it, it's not one of those things where someone is just being a complete and utter loon. He's just... Not coping with this situation, but he's still trying to get across his feelings and and let everyone know the person who has now left them, you know, and and, and this thing and it and he's he's talking and yeah, then he wants to play this this music that she likes and it's just. It's not working. It's not working. And you can just see the despair. Because he was just like, I just wanted to do this nice thing. And it's just not working. And that is probably the highlight for him in this film. It's just like, you know, he, he's then trying to live his life. He, he goes back to work. Although the work is like, no, you shouldn't have come back this early. Why are you here? And... You know, he, he's trying to keep occupied. He's trying to keep focus on other stuff. And it's just not working for him. It's just not working. Uh, like, some people are trying to be friendly and help him. But, you know, he's trying... He's kind of pushing them away. He doesn't want to admit... I think the pain that he's feeling. The despair. that That he's finding it difficult to cope. In these situations. And so on top of all of this. His estranged wife. Files for divorce. And I think it's like one of those things where. You know. He expected it. But not in the way it happens. And at that moment in time as well. On top of everything else. Then this happens. And so. He's just trying to cope with everything and it's just not working for him. It's just not working out. And he's heartbroken. Um, And that's what you're seeing on screen. And so it's, it's this great performance by Jim Cummings. Because I think it would be easily just to be completely unhinged just to completely have someone fall apart but that's not 
the nuance of this person. That's you know what I mean. It it wouldn't have been the same film. You need to have the character be like acting like no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then these cracks are appearing like slowly but surely, and then more and more and more and more. You need that to happen, and that's what Jim Jim does. And so it's this fantastic performance from him, and then you know the like the other people around him, like Kendall Farr, who's playing his daughter Crystal. You know she's great because it's just that you know that kid who who who's you know wants the affection from her parents, um, but she's got that favorite parent. And so at one minute she wants him and then it's just like, nope, now you you can go, I want mum. And he's doing like loads of things just to try and just win her love. And and that's what yeah, you you find him doing these things for that. Um he, you know, he's trying to work, he's trying to he's just trying to hold on. He's trying to hold on all the way through the film. And the thing is, it's just like, look, if someone tells you that, you're thinking this is a very somber film. This is a very, you know, morose kind of affair. But it's not. It's got these moments of hilarity that are just fantastic. You know, it's just like deadpan humour. And it's just so well-timed. So well timed, these little moments that just have you laughing, laughing so much. And it's like everyone in the place was just in hysterics, you know. Um, and it's it, it, it was, yeah, it was really just great. It was fantastic. It does look, as I said, look, it just all worked, everything worked, and you see. This journey that the character is on, and I think it ended in the right way because you know, like, there's so many ways this kind of story could end. You know, they all live happy ever after, he just the downward spiral just finishes and it's done for him. You know, it, like, there's so many different kind of variations on those two themes. But um, the way they did it, I think it, it was perfect for this film, you know. And and you're kind of left. I don't know. It, 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 I wouldn't say you're you're kind of left wondering, or but you kind of feel okay. There, I think there is possibility here. I think that's the thing, it's just like, there is possibility for Jim to, I don't know, like, come out the other side, maybe. But, I would say, um, if you were a fan of things like Sunshine Cleaning, Little Miss Sunshine... Um, Grandma, I think this is the film for you. 
you know, seeking a friend at the end of the world. I think it, this is a fantastic little film. And it would definitely be a shame if you didn't get the opportunity to see it. So, um, you know, on the official listings, your next chance to see this film will be tomorrow, Thursday the 11th of October at 1 o'clock at the BFI, South Bank. Then it's playing Thursday, um, sorry, Friday the 12th at 6.15 at the View Cinema Leicester Square. And then it's on Saturday the 20th at 6.30 at the Odeon Tottenham Court Road. And so that's the Odeon. Um, so when you, if you're by, um, Tottenham Court Road train station and you come out and there's a McDonald's on one corner and a car phone warehouse next to it, walk past those and up, past those and up. So past the, so there'll be the theatre on the right hand side across the road. So walk past that, past the car phone and you'll, you'll hit the cinema. And so, yeah, that will be, that's the last official screening. But, look, a lot of these films are getting picked up by, um, you know, other other venues. And so, you if, if you miss out of one of these official screenings, you know, there is a good chance that you will find it um, at one of those. Okay. So, um, yeah, that is Thunder Road, people. And I'm going to leave you with a song of the same name. So let's leave it like this. And I'll catch you next time. The screen door slams, Mary's dress like a vision she dances across the porch as the radio plays Roy Oberson singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again, I just can't face myself alone again Don't run back inside, darling, you know just what I'm here for So you're scared and you're thinking that maybe we ain't that young anymore. Sure, a little faith is magic in the night. You ain't a beauty, but hey, you're alright. Oh, and it's alright. You can hide, you can and study your pain. I thought I would mix things up, and um, there was a little low-key sci-fi film, which I thought, yeah, let me check that out. So I went to see Duplicate, um, 
This is by director Bill Oliver. It was produced by Randy Manis and Ricky Tolman. It was written by Gregory Davis, Bill Oliver and Peter Nikowicz. And it starred Ansel Ulgut, Patricia Clarkson and Suki Waterhouse. It's um, 95 minutes, so just slightly over an hour and a half. And it's from Signature Entertainment. The uh, the breakdown of this feature is eschewing the futuristic trappings we have come to expect of sci-fi cinema. Bill Oliver's understated fantasy welcomes us instead to a familiar world of neatly furnished apartments, clean office spaces and bustling city streets. But within these recognisable spaces, something else is at play. Jonathan lives his life like clockwork, a part-time architectural draftsman. He goes through the same routines with unwavering regularity including leaving a video message for an almost identical man named John. Albeit a more relaxed, less buttoned-up version, in which he details the banal events of his day. John, in turn, leaves messages too, and slowly the true nature of their relationship becomes clear, featuring a brilliantly nuanced dual performance from a superb Ansel Ilgut. Duplicate is a very different kind of genre film, intimate in scale, yet boldly ambitious in its ideas. It's interesting, because I'm not sure a lot of this kind of comes through with the film. Like, if... Anyone was to watch this film and you said to them, um, what genre is it? I don't think anyone would say sci-fi. Because there is nothing in the film, really, that gives you that sci-fi trappings, you know? Um, yeah, there's there's no fantasy element. Like any like with the the dual personality, like we know that's a thing. So it's a bit like, hmm. I mean, I guess the only thing there is is a a device that is used. But yeah, it, it it's one of these things that it's kind of you know plausible that that is around right now like you know um so yeah it 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 would be hard to say the genre of the film just by watching it and it's very slow i mean it 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 took a very long time for it to kind of say something now, obviously, there was talking, but when I say say something, I mean, let us know its intentions. Let us know that this is something we should be watching. Let us know that we should be taking note. 
out. You know, it, it took a while for anyone to kind of feel, I think, yeah, all right, I'll, 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 I'll continue watching this. You know, it, you're kind of on the fence for a long time. Um, and as soon as you see the video message, I don't think you're really in any doubt of what way this film is going. Because we've seen things like Memento, so you know we understand the the dual nature of something. We understand the um, the need to remind oneself. So we've seen kind of elements of this. So once you see um, Jonathan leave the message, you're like, okay, all right. I yeah I I I see what's happening with this and the film doesn't really pick up from there it it stays at that um it stays at that pace so we're not seeing any uptake with some of the elements that are kind of kicking in and you're like okay so oh is is this where it's gonna get and it's like oh no no it just it just it's just carrying on it's it, it 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 it's just the same film um and you start to notice like a lot of contradictions like um yeah there's a there's a relationship in the film that it doesn't make any sense well you sh- i i should probably say the second relationship doesn't make any sense because well there's something that's said about going on trips and you kind of feel if you're like well if you wanted to do that then both parties would need to be on board so then that kind of makes you think well so then what is this then like how is this happening and also I don't believe there was enough shown for you to kind of think, oh, right, yeah, that there's a relationship going to happen from this. Because there was nothing. It was like a character does a one, a complete 180. When they've declared something, then they've done it, then they do a complete 180. And say something else but at no time do they kind of declare any um sentiment still for the first situation and you're like well surely you would because you said this so like yeah there should still be something where's the residual of that but then it's just like, yeah, as I said, there was there was nothing that makes you go, okay, right, I I 
I can see what's happening here, this transition, this, and so it's a bit odd. And um, then there's a, like there's a certain thing that happens kind of in the last third of the film. This rather left field. It comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "What?" And it seems like it's only said. So the idea of this certain thing is out there, but then everything is very rushed towards the end. In the, in the last probably twenty minutes, everything feels rather rushed, and then we're given. Like the ending is very just lackluster. It, it, you know, it's a bit like, wait, what? Huh? Why? Why is this? It's like you're talking to us. It's like what we don't need our hands held through this narrative. I think we understand. But it was like, um,. You know, I, I, I think there was no faith in the audience to understand the nuances of the situation. So you're we're then we're then force fed it, um, you know, just this description when it, it really should have ended before that. It should have ended with um like the thank you, and then that's it, just cut, because we would have known what's happening from that point onwards, but yeah, we're not kind of given that, and that's the thing, it's just like, look, the the idea of the story is great, it's a very interesting idea, you know, we've kind of seen it in slightly different guises, but not quite like this. So, yeah, it's something a little bit new. But, yes, the the film, it doesn't then deviate. It doesn't pick up anything. So you're just kind of left a bit, like, scratching your head at some of the things that are taking place. You're just like... It doesn't really make any sense, and I'm not quite sure. But um, I guess, like, when you're thinking of things that are kind of similar to this, like tonally, like you, you could say something like Equilibrium, um, maybe even Gattaca. You know, just uh, to slightly has that same kind of tonal feel. So yeah, if, if you're a fan of those films, then this could be for you. It, it definitely could. I had an interesting conversation afterwards about it, and um, yeah, the the young lady I was speaking to, she she um, she had a different kind of relationship with the film so you know just because I don't it, you know it doesn't quite connect with me but it might do with you so if you do want to see Duplicate um, it will next be airing 
on Sunday the 14th at 8.40. This will be at the Prince Charles Cinema. Then it's at Tuesday the 16th at quarter past three at the BFI South Bank. So, yeah, if you, again, look, if you keep your eyes open, this could well be playing at your local cinema as well. A few more screenings. But, yeah, that's it. Duplicate people. So, today ended with the premiere of Been So Long. This is the new film from Tinge Kirschman. It was um, produced by Nadine Marsh-Edwards and Amanda Jenks. It's written by Che Walker. And it's starring Michaela Cole, Arizona King, George Mackey. It runs for 100 minutes. Um, Yeah, so, you know, an hour and 40. Uh... And it's distributed by Netflix. So, um, yeah, this is this is the burb on the BFI website. Having made an impact at the 2011 London Film Festival with her gritty low-budget debut, Junk Hearts, London-based writer-director Tinge Kirkman returns to the festival with a different type of city story for an ambitious second feature, adapted from Che Walker's stage play and retaining Arthur Duval's original songs. Been So Long is a contemporary musical set on the streets of Camden Town. Krishman... Krishnan's shoots this familiar locale with streets bathed in neon and rich in romantic possibilities. BAFTA winner Michaela Cole lights up the big screen as dedicated and whip-smart single mum Simone, whose encounter with confident yet secretive Lafario Raymond played by the past star Aries Ken reprising his role from the Young Vic production of the same name has her head spinning this charismatic pair lead an all singing and dancing ensemble Populated by a wealth of homegrown talent. Ronke Adarwali still scenes as Simone's fearless best friend, Yvonne, while a volatile Gil, George McKay, has a score to settle um, at the bar owned by Barney, Luke Norris. Other faces to note include Joe Dempsey from Game of Thrones and Asha Ali from The Ritual. With the electric soundtrack adding a soulful personality of its own. Um, so, this was... 
it's an interesting one, you know, because uh, musicals can, yeah, it's walking that line, it, it's having that balance between the songs and the actual, the actual script and those um, poignant moments, you know, uh, so, that was a big thing, you know, would this work, and, I have to say, I'm not sure it does, like, the opening song was really, really long, it was, it was, yeah, so long, and, I'm not quite sure it really worked, because the singing wasn't, it wasn't strong enough, really, to kind of convey what the story needed at the start, which which is a real shame. And, you know, another thing, the... The songs were hard to make out. It was hard to hear the actual lyrics because the bass seemed too loud. I don't know. It, you know, it's hard to say. Look, is is this an issue with the the projection of the film? But I, I kind of feel that you know. Look, it's the BFI, so I don't think they would mess up those levels. So. It, it seems to be something that's probably on the actual print of the film itself, you know. So I think it it, it was the issue in production. Like, they just made the basses too loud on every one of the songs. And in the first quarter of the f- first third of the film, there's way, there seems to be way too many songs, just wait, it's just like, it's song, 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 it's just, and you just feel, look, give, give me a moment to breathe and absorb what's happening here, you know, um, like, the film had these little pockets of, like, real kind of meaning, and, and, like, nice interactions between the characters, but then this might then this oftentimes it was either kind of spoiled by a song or just by i think a lot of the interaction it felt false you know it it didn't seem like it was a natural conversation it all felt very played out, you know, like the, these interactions that are taken to the ninth degree, just to try and get a laugh, or, you know, to get, to try and force certain emotions from the audience, but that really, it, it, for me, it kind of took away from the story, and it is a story that we've seen before, you know, there, there was no real original 
labour. It, it's just like, okay, I've seen this story and I know exactly how it's going to go. And it did go in that way. You also have this issue where, like, situations are forced too. Like, there was a meeting um, that happened with Simone's daughter and Yvonne, and it was just a bit like, oh, that just seems very convenient for that to happen, you know? It's like, then when Simone knocks at Raymond's house, like, something happens, and it's just like, well, that was just a bit too obvious, really, wasn't it? You know, like, ah, oh, what's, what's happening? And then there's this pool game that, again, it's just a bit forced. It didn't come across as natural. And that was a real problem throughout the film. You know, because, like, a, a, a conversation needs to feel natural it needs to kind of resonate with you and these just yeah it it just didn't click for me I'm afraid um and I don't I don't know but there was there didn't really seem like there was a memorable song in the film like the the, the I think one of the best songs was in the kebab um shop at the end up to that point, there was nothing that I couldn't hum anything from the film, and I've just literally seen it. So nothing stuck, like nothing really connected with me, you know, on that level. And um, I don't know, like another issue seemed to be there were certain characters in this film that if you removed, you've still got the same film. You know, like if you took Gil out, it it's still the same film. If you remove Barney, it's still the same film. You know, so you're just thinking, well, so why are they there? But, um, yeah. Hmm. I think it's like, look, if you like Love, Honor and Obey, if you like This Year's Love, I think you would be happy to give this a a, a try, you know, I'm not saying it's up there with those films, but but I do believe that if you're a fan of those films, then this is something that it could sit with you, you know, and I, I feel that you would definitely, um, you wouldn't be afraid to watch it. Yeah. So, if you do want to see it, uh, it will be playing 
Saturday the 13th at 2pm at the Cineworld Cinema in Leicester Square. Then Monday the 15th at 9pm at the Rich Mix Cinema. And we were told tonight that it would be going on Netflix probably, I believe, at midnight on the 26th of October. So, uh, yeah, if you're unable to see it in a cinema and seeing seeing something like this in the cinema would be something that I think a lot of people would probably prefer just because it's the bigger screen. Um, so you've got the, the big sound system for the songs. But if you don't get that opportunity, you will be able to see it on Netflix. So, um, yeah, that is been so long. Because it looks effortless how they do it. 
but there's levels of real craft, uh, like intermingled with like spontaneity and like open-heartedness and uh, passion. And uh, and as a as an ensemble, they were like it was amazing in rehearsals. It just felt like people would watch each other's scenes and like hang out with each other, and it just like had such an amazing atmosphere. Um, I was just lucky. I just got to sit back and watch magic unfold. And please, how was it for you guys? Talk about some of maybe your best experiences on set. Mm. <laughs> One, two, yes. Um, do you know what was really good? Getting to rehearse the film before we started. Um, that's very unusual, but we had a good couple of weeks of rehearsing, improvising, workshopping, and I would get in and I would kind of, you know, I'd get to watch, for example, you know, some of the Ronkier's choreography, you know, behind her solo or George's, you know, and so you kind of, I, I don't know, you're building a tone, you know, because of it, you're watching how that is done, you know, and you're seeing how playful these two are, and you know, and it's kind of affecting me, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should bring some of that playfulness into, into some of my, you know, choreography or some of, some of that scene. Um, so that was really helpful. Michaela, do you have any uh, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I've known Arite for 10 years. We go way back. We go all the as way back. Like, way back, as in like, as in like, Sitting in your house trying to think of um, shows to write. Do you remember that? 2008. Oh, wow. I yeah. Remember. I do, yeah. In my, in my, yes, yes. Yeah, and you I, tried I, to make it. It never worked. <laughs> I, I, um, I remember driving Michaela's car. With <laughs> Should I just remember that? Was it my car or my sister's car? It was my car. Was it yours? I don't know. But I was. I we never had a license. That's all we know. Did police got quick. That car got taken away car got one taken. time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we go way back, like them times, you know, as in like Popo, 5 back. Yeah, for real, and I've known Ronke for six years and she's my best friend in real life. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> We're just crazy, I trust you. Um, so it was fun, it was crazy fun, and I loved watching rehearsals. Um, all of your songs were my favorite songs. They were like, what are your favorite songs? I was like, none of them, I sing. They're all uh, George Brooke songs, I just love them. Um, We've known, I've known Che for 10 years, the writer who introduced me to Arinze a decade ago. Yes. Yeah, I met you through Che too, so it kind of feels like paying uh, Uncle back <laughs> with respect. And Tiz was incredible, um, Catherine was incredible. It was uh, it was fun, it was hard work, um, but it was, it, I mean, hard work is good. And, and also what was amazing, uh, just really quickly, was that um, our producers were really supportive of that process. Because on a low budget, like workshopping and stuff puts time, uh, you know, it, George, I just wanted to hear from you guys about you know how you two work together and how you kind of built this relationship that we see on screen. <laughs> <laughs> Me and George met the first time in Tinder's kitchen. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like soup or something. Yeah, and we had that conversation about losing TV remotes. Yeah, yeah, in between the sofas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know when you can chat to someone about TV trivial remote. stuff like that, you go, okay, yeah, you're a gang member. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because some people, I mean, like, I'm all about the universe and stuff, and I want to talk about that stuff, but the first time I meet you, that's too much. I want to talk about TV remotes. Yeah, we, got, we got to the universe. Yeah. We did, we did. George is an amazing person, and he's so, like, he's such a light body, which is amazing, because obviously I know Rins, and I know Meeks, and whatever, and, like, as a team, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, like, 
I'm on their level. These two are my idols. No, they are, and I love them to bits, and I'm so thankful that I get the opportunity to work with them. It's so funny, the first time I met Rins, Che made me and him do a reading of this play slash musical that he wrote, and um, Che was like, I was thinking you guys could maybe sing here. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, I'll sing. And I sang a bit, and then Rins was like, okay. And he let out his voice. I had to run to the loo because I was sweating so hard. <laughs> I was so embarrassed, I wanted to cry. And then ever since then, I was like, I like you, but <laughs> why would you put me on the spot like that? But anyway, these, they're my family, so like to get to go to work every day for two months with my family was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever, ever had. And I'll never, ever take that for granted. So thank you guys, honestly. And George, did you feel like part of that family too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the odd cousin. <laughs> <laughs> No, it truly, it was like we it was like a really joyous time and just so playful. Like it was just yeah, we, we met on a level of TV remotes and like but then it turned into this kind of like everything was just sort of thrown out there, you know, like from like the karate stuff to like the improv to just hanging out. Like we had a great Nando's like you know, that first week as well. Like it was just everything was I don't know, it was just very together and, and as Arinze said, everyone was kind of picking up in a really like giving vibe uh, in a really giving way of, of of what people were doing, you know, kind of watching in the rehearsals, seeing how they would like interpret a song or a scene and things they'd throw in. So it was just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff was shared through the process. So it was, it was great. Uh, we've got some time for some uh, questions from the audience. So if you have anything you'd like to ask, stick your hand up and there's a couple of microphones around. So um, if, yeah, there's a question over just here in the middle. And I think there's one a few rows back that we'll take afterwards. Hello, thank you, I, I loved it, and it was something so thrilling about seeing a North London kebab shop at the site of like musical romance. And I just wanted to ask if you felt when you were, um, when you were making this, whether you're saying something about this city that couldn't be set in any other place, like what is it about this setting? And, and also listening to you, it sounds like the whole experience has been quite a London experience. I felt like I was really watching identities that I recognize as London identities. consciously, um, because that whole London thing was in the DNA of Che's original piece. You know, that's just what we received. And it, it's, it, it, just, it just kind of just segued in. So it's just li literally just an expression of London's, London life, an expression of like Che and Arthur's poetry, really. Um, we've got another question, just a few, uh, just, yeah, a few right yeah. in the <laughs> Hi there. Um, You've mentioned the budget a couple of times tonight. Um, how differently would the film have looked with a significantly larger budget? And also for the cast, what are the emotional takeaways from the film? What are you taking away from it emotionally? Okay, so budget, um, I'll be very quick, um, but it would be like amazing. I mean, this is amazing, right? And we love it and it's our, it's our baby and it's beautiful. But if we had a higher budget, we'd have had Steadicam every day. Um, I think we'd have had more time. You know, we'd have had more time for choreography. We'd have had more time. Uh, I, I think time is, 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 is a luxury. If you, if you think of La La Land, 
and what the budget gave them, it, it was time and scale, probably, um, and um, visual effects. Um, I, could, I could go on, but I don't know how useful that would be, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emotional takeaway. Well, I um I, I did the play in two thousand and nine at the at the Young Vic and and so, and, and I was uh, so act, I've actually been doing playmates for how long is that now a long a long time basically um, and. Um, yeah, I mean, Che, so Raymond is based on a real, on, on a person that, who I met, actually, uh, when, when the, the play was on. Um, and Che wanted to tell the story about someone who was quite guarded and who kind of wrapped in this kind of idea of what it is to be a man and masculinity and, uh, and had really quite messed up relationships with women and all of that, you know, and it was all messed up because of this idea that he had of himself and, and of what men should be. Um, and I think the journey is him kind of realizing that he's just been a, he's been a kid, you know, and growing up and growing out of, of these things and getting rid of the tired old scripts. I think that's what was said, but I don't know if it still, if it made the cut, but, um, but yeah, that's that. Uh, I think for me, uh, definitely, um, I don't know, my character also is based on a real person that Shea Walker knew. Um, and I don't know what her plot was in life uh, and whether it's exactly the same as the film, but Simone taught me that it's okay to show your vulnerability and it's if you want love, you have to show that you need it. And um, that's what she taught me, that being vulnerable has benefits and it's good to do things at the risk of uh, pain and heartbreak for a, a bigger goal. Um, <laughs> for Yvonne, I think what she taught me is that women are not supposed to be bound. We're not supposed to be kept in places of um, uh, a way in which we should be. Even though a lot of the stuff she does is a bit wild. Ultimately, she's seeking a happiness that has come from a place of not being the typical, stereotypical good woman. And I love her for that. And I feel like if anything Yvonne has taught me is that I am allowed to be wild and I'm allowed to be messy as well as I'm allowed to be clean. So I take that away from it. I, <laughs> I think, I think for, for Gil, for me, like I, I second everything about, I think the, the, the story in general is one of, of kind of not being guarded and, and opening yourself up. And I think that for Gil, he's got so much love and so much energy, but because of a complete sort of, what well, a choice to misunderstand almost. It starts off as a misunderstanding, then it's something that he commits to. It all comes out sideways. And so kind of recognizing the energy that you have, because it's all good stuff that's in him, but he's just putting it in the wrong way. And so just kind of trying to recognize a way to, you know, put everything that's in you into the, you know, into a good direction. I think we've got time for, uh, for another question, if there is one out there. Uh, yeah, there's a question just up right there at the back, so uh, microphone just making its way over to you. Thank you. Hello. Uh, I just wanted to ask about the post-production process. How long were you in post for, and how did you manage um, 
cutting together a musical because they're so expensive and difficult to cut. How did you approach it going into it and how did you find it managing it in post? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle through it. O on the approach, uh, we knew the Whitney, we definitely wanted to go for live singing. Um, and again, the producers and the financiers were really supportive of what's a potentially risky process, but has worked out really beautifully because of the emotional quality it gives, but it, it, it creates certain logistical issues on set. Um, then in terms of the actual post process, um, we kind of layered it so that um, the, the uh, score composer who's doing the music production, was he wasn't actually supposed to be composing while we were editing, he was supposed to be working on other stuff, but we were just like, we need, we realized in the edit that we actually needed music coming to us for us to cut around, and then we send him the cut, and then he recomposed, so we were kind of uh, layering it um, like that, and then in terms of being on a low budget, we had tremendous amounts of goodwill, so our editor just did really, really late nights, um, and um, everyone at Pinewood just went like amazingly above and beyond, like uh, there's, you know, they were like, the young people there connected with it so much, they like loved it, and they were just staying really late at night. They were dangling microphones outside the, you know, their housing estate, the tower blocks, to get just the right atmos, so it sounds really real. Um, it was just amazing, you know, um, just the love that everyone gave to it, um, it compensated for the, for the budget. Um, so you guys have been the first public audience to see the film, but Tinge, can you tell us what's happening with the film now? What's happening with it next? Oh, well, we've been really, really lucky because um, it got purchased by Netflix, who have proved to be, yeah. And uh, they just proved to be really wonderful partners as well. They're like, you know, they, they came in during the edit and they're really like, they're kind of hands off, but present, if you know what I mean. So they're not micromanaging. They've been really supportive. You know, and the producers obviously have just, you know, continued to work with them. And um, so now it's going to go out in cinemas. There's going to be a cinematic release, um, and it's being really supported uh, by the by the Netflix, um, you know, and the premiere team who are really amazing. And it's going to go out with the Bird's Eye View um, tour, um, and then it's going to be on Netflix on the 27th of October. So. Oh, 26. I think it's midnight the 26th, and there's like a whole Pacific time thing, but you guys are right, probably, yeah, you might be too worried. Yeah, it must be on the 26th, yeah. Always trust the director. No, don't. Trust these guys. Well, either way, make sure you guys spread the word, and please give up your love for these ones. Now, as um, I mentioned, Been So Long was the last film I saw, but I'm going to leave you with um, Evelyn. And I watched this earlier today, um, and it's from director Orlando von Einsdell. Um you know, you, you might have seen his other documentaries, which were um, Viranga, uh, Skatistan, 
and um, White Helmets, which he won an Oscar for. Uh, but um, yeah, this new uh, documentary, it was produced by Joanna Nataskara. And it's from Violet Films. It's uh, 95 minutes, so just slightly over an hour and a half. Um, but this, this is a, a, a very different to um, Orlando's other work. Because this time, he's kind of turned the film camera on himself and his family. And it's a very emotional film. So, uh, you know, it's basically this. When his brother, newly diagnosed as schizophrenic and suffering from intense depression, took his own life at 22, Orlando and his other two siblings buried the trauma, rarely talking about it. Over a decade later, the remaining family set out on a hiking tour visiting landscapes Evelyn liked to walk. To reflect on his de- life and death, the result is an intensely personal and moving take on the emotional impact of suicide within a family and a powerful account of the benefits of creating safe spaces for emotional communication. Shot in a subjective style and against the stunning backdrop of the British countryside, Evelyn is an emotionally raw film that documents the difficult yet rewarding attempt to navigate the rocky highlands of collective trauma. And, um, yeah, it is a very emotional and difficult, like, I think it's fair to say it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to watch because you know we we start off with Orlando like trying to read something that his brother had left and you really see the the difficulty that he's having in doing this and so you go from that into the hike and it starts off with Orlando, his sister Gwenny, his brother Robin, and his his mum. And um, yeah, and, and you see them trying to then talk about his brother and share like the stories, the reflections, just. You know, those personal moments that they had with him. Like the thoughts that resonate the most with him. You know, I think it was Gwenny just said, like, um, like she remembers his, his farts. And everyone's laughing, like, wait, that is something that you remember? Like, what? And, and but that's... It you you know, I think Orlando kind of says you know he at first he only remembered him 
from the suicide. So that was the thing that was in his head, in his mind. You know, the thing that he always thought about. It was that moment, not the other, you know, 21 years of his life. And so you see them sharing the story, see them sharing the emotions, like sharing what it was like to have Evelyn as a brother. And as they're doing this, like, it's just the emotional toll it's having on them is just immense. And you're seeing them evolve. You're seeing them, like, feel more comfortable in having these conversations. Feel more comfortable sharing with each other and those that they meet along the way is is funny because we see them meet several different people and everyone that they meet has their own story around suicide and death and I think it's easy to feel a little bit cynical about this you know like Ugh, you know, is this staged? Like, what's going on here? Uh, but I I also had the, the pleasure and great opportunity to interview Orlando um, today. And he does address this and, like, other issues. Well, not issues, but points that kind of came up from the documentary and um i he he really like breaks it all down and it makes perfect sense you know and it's and it's very interesting the way he um you know he he tells it because you know i i, I and i and i am um, kind of mentioned to him like there's this bit at the beginning so he's having a difficulty talking about his brother but then he goes to buy ice cream and straight away he tells the 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 guy in the ice cream uh, shop john he tells them him like what they're doing and it's a bit interesting it's like you kind of think oh oh but but you're having i thought you're having difficulty talking about this and um again orlando kind of discuss it you know he lets us know actually what this was about and how this kind of fit in with what was happening and everything and it's yeah it's very interesting you know you're you're yeah you're very um you're left like oh interesting i she wouldn't have known you're like some of the things that you see you're like oh okay i would never have realized that um so yeah it's this very emotional emotional journey and so as i said look it starts off with um you know the siblings and and their mum um then they're walking with their dad and his partner uh, and then they're walking with um, 
two of Evelyn's best friends, Leon and Jack. And throughout the trip, you yeah, you, you see them come out their shells, you see these different stories shared, and I think you see the acceptance now of the situation. And like, but all the way through there's difficulty, you know, and you see that they show that they're not shying away from anything. And it is a real struggle. It is, it really does touch you. And especially, look, when you've been in certain situations, you know, and you can relate to these situations and you see the impact it has on those around, like, those around you. And it's just like, yeah, this is so real. This is, you know, this is serious. It, 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 it's, like, debilitating the way it can kind of just ravage you. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I, I think... It's something that should be watched. You know, the way it, it shows and discusses, like, mental health. I mean, that's very important so we can keep on having those discussions in our everyday lives. But, uh, yeah, so that's Evelyn. And, look, so you'll be able to see it next on sunday the 14th at quarter past uh, at quarter past 6 at the bfi south bank um so yeah that that's my my thoughts on the documentary and now i'm going to leave you with um an interview that i did with orlando today um, and there's also uh, participation from another two critics. So, yeah, you know, I hope you find this very interesting. Um, did you decide from the start that you wanted to make it a public thing instead of a home video or just a journey between you and your family? Uh, do you know, because this whole thing was such a gamble, we... Going on this personal journey, we, we didn't know if it would work, and we often talked about um, if it didn't work, that we just we just sort of cancelled the whole thing. And it was lovely to have that safe space as a team that, that we knew we could do that. So, so no, I mean to begin with, it was very tentative. We didn't quite know what would happen. Uh, it, it turns out it was um, it was an immensely healing process for me. And, uh, and, I, and I think it did a lot for my family as, as a whole as well. Um, how was it, like, going from making documentaries about other people to then kind of turning everything on yourself? Because when you're watching it, you could see that, yeah, you kind of go into yourself at moments or, like, step back so everyone else would talk. So, like, how did you find that? 
process of yeah, kind of docu well, yes, documenting yourself and your family? I, I found it uh, really difficult actually. I, I found um, I have a very healthy new respect for anyone that ever goes in front of the camera because it is so intense, it's so sort of revealing, it sucks so much from you. So I, I, I think going forward I'll probably be a better director for that. Um, but, but personally I, I found it really tough and, and I hated a lot of it. I'd be lying if I, I, I found there were days where I didn't want to be making this film at all. I just I just wanted to stay in bed yeah, and, and not do it. It was very difficult and um, it's also in some ways I felt a, a lot of the control left me and mm. I, I had to trust our crew uh, and frankly I've worked on the same team for almost 10 years with almost all of them and we are incredibly close and because of that it felt like I could trust them and uh, you know and they but but it, it that was quite scary too creatively mm. Yes, I do. I mean, I, I um, the f the first iteration of the th when I first wrote a treatment for the story, I, I I almost wrote myself out of it, and and I was behind the camera, and it was my sister and my brother, the main characters, and and our Joanna, our producer, was was reading it because I I don't think that feels very honest, and it's it, you know, and then and then even in the first edit of the film, again I I, I sort of pulled myself back and. Um, and when people watched it, again, people said this. It doesn't feel like the story is is, is right. Uh, so, I, and I think that was just, I guess, some sort of self-preservation instincts mm. in me. Because it, there's one thing being emotionally honest. There's a whole another really going all the way. And I think in the end, you know, through the gentle coaxing of our editor and everyone else, that's where we ended up. And I think that's what made the best film. Yeah. Well, I, I think there was a moment when, um, uh, was it Johnny who came on with Leon and Jack? Jack, and you said, "Oh, have you? Do you talk about your dad?" And he's like, "Well, yes, but no." And if people ask me, I'll, I'll talk, but I don't really bring it up myself. So is that kind of what you, you kind of mean? I, th I think, um, no, I think in terms of talking about my brother, I, I think there was a few things that, that always held me back. I think there was the pain of it, definitely. You know, it's, 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 so when someone dies, it's very painful. There was also this, this stigma of mental illness. Um, and then, you know, and that, that makes it an issue. And then uh, I, I think there was also just a fear of talking about my emotions and what that might mean and what that might lead to. And yeah. so that sort of fear of and trying to be strong and emotions being sort of seen as weak. Uh, yeah, so all of those things stacked on top of one another. The, the thing that I thought was interesting was that you know, there's, in, at the beginning you're like, look, this is something we don't talk about, I haven't really talked about it in 15 years, 
you know, and then you, you came to the ice cream man and you were just like, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're doing this, and oh, it's because of this, and it was just like, okay, and you, you seemed, it was interesting your openness to share your, your journey and the process with the people you met, like, what was that? You, like, is it because you don't know them so it's easier to talk or like what, yeah what was I, I think that was that was sort of two and a half weeks in now to, to this walk uh, and we'd been talking and suddenly it didn't feel like such a giant leap yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, to talk about it but, but also that there was this amazing thing I'd almost talk about it as being sort of a contagion that if you approach people and you're open emotionally and, and you show vulnerability, it's incredible how quickly they suddenly feel it's a safe space to be vulnerable and open. Mm. And, and we'd seen that a few times already, and I, and I guess, you know, it's quite special. And when, when I met that, the guy, John, who was running the ice cream van, it, that was exactly what, what, what took place. You met very interesting people on the, like, in your journey, yeah. your multiple branches of the journey. And then everyone had this sort of story related to this, and I was like, oh, come on, what, what are the chances? But then, everyone has a story. I have a story yeah. that, uh, that has affected me, sort of, and everyone does. So, but I guess that's where you being a very experienced documentary filmmaker came out, that you weren't afraid to approach people and just say, oh, we're making... It's not about oh we're just walking there, we're making a film about this. It's like people get annoyed because I ask a lot of questions, but that's what I do, so I'm, I'm used to do that. But and I guess that you were like more open and just going to more of your well, I, I think I think the, fir the first thing is there, there was an early version of this film where someone watched it and to, um, yeah, to give us feedback, and they they also said, "Oh, come on, those aren't those aren't real." And, and what's extraordinary is there were countless others on film. Uh, I mean, you're, to your point, everyone does have a story, <clears throat> and when you start scratching the surface, you know, I mean, you you know, grief. Death is that's completely universal. Um, not everyone is touched by suicide, but al but almost it, the numbers of people who are, it, you know, it's staggering. What every suicide. Hi Rachel. Hello Hating Orlando. Um, there, there was a recent report that every suicide uh, it impacts a hundred people, and if there's around five thousand suicides every year, that's almost half a million people every year who are impacted. And suddenly. You start to see that when you, you know, lots and lots of people are affected by those issues. Um, and your film is now sold out the screenings. Yes. Uh, which is great. Um, and of course, you are a highly acclaimed documentary filmmaker. Um, and it's going to reach a lot of people. So, you know, social media, I follow the page on Facebook, you know, it reaches a lot of, lot of people. Um, what do you think will come out of this? I know it's just a film, it's a personal film, but what do you, how do you think it's going to help? Because it, it is going to help a lot of people. 
Well, we we hope we hope. I mean, the the only reason ultimately, you know, the films that we make as a film team, that we always want the film to have social impact. There's no there's no guarantee that will happen, but that's certainly what one of the things that drives us. It was also really the only reason a lot of my family were open to doing this because they they were like, well, what's the point of sharing our story and what you know what, how we dealt with things if it doesn't reach other people. Um, uh, Joanna Natsugawa, our producer, is is doing, and her team are doing a really brilliant job of pulling together a coalition of partners who are working with us, from Calm, the Ramblers, the Samaritans, Andy's Man Club. There's a whole there's a whole load of uh, other people as well um, to to help us try and make the film have impact. And I I would say, I mean, look, there's lots of things I think we'd like people to take away from the film. I, I, I mean, at its very least, we want people to to, not, to talk. You know, mental illness shouldn't be seen as a stigma. We, keep, we need to keep the conversation going. It feels like this film has come at a particularly interesting time because two days ago, the government announced the Minister for Suicide, which is the first time that's ever happened in the world. And, um, I, you know, I, I feel that's happened for my family 14 years too late but I hope that going forwards this will mean lead to less suicides and if our film can be part of the conversation around things that would be that'd be fantastic what has this done for you and your family and like you know have you now put in place like a regular talking session are you making this an annual trip or an annual thing like yeah are you do, are you all seeking like professional help like what is how has it helped you going forward now the filming is done so so I, I think everyone in my family would say we give you a different answer so I, I can talk from my from myself mm. um, just the, the, I, say, I suppose there's sort of two or three main things I, I, my relationship with my brother is completely changed. I, I couldn't say his name. I mean, I, I really, that is how I became... A year ago, a year and a half ago, today, I, I, that would have been impossible for me. And the only memories I had of him were all of the traumatic, mm. terrible things that we remembered from the last few years of his life. I, I now can remember all, all the positive things too. And I, I had to say his name... 50 times every day for the last 12 months so that that's amazingly positive i think um I, i've also learned a lot about myself I, I i think i probably thought i was a very modern male with very modern ideas about masculinity and i, I think in doing this journey i realized that i harbored all sorts of ideas about emotion showing emotion being a sign of weakness uh that you know stuff which isn't healthy and um i've just on Sunday I had a son um, which has totally like blown my mind because this week has been such an emotional roller coaster and I'd like to think that this having done this it might make me a, a, be a better father as, as well yeah I can only imagine that it, it will you kind so. of found new depths in yourself really going on this. Because I was going to ask you, are you going back to um, filming in very dangerous places? But there you, there's a screen now, so is this a new perspective for you? Having your well, I, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, I, 
six weeks ago I was in Iraq, so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, things, if it's all changed. But uh, but then he wasn't born six weeks ago, so that's uh, so let, let's. Uh, it's a, a tenuous, it's a very tenuous there. <laughs> Just before, just the meeting. I did. Before. It was like a, a last one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, the films we make are always driven by what the stories that we find inspire us. So, yeah, who knows where that will be next? Mm. I was describing the film to a friend, and the first thing she said, because she has seen your previous work, um, and she said, "Oh, so is, was that a way?" It's interesting. I, it, it was. It, I, I mean, I've had to look at my life quite, through quite a lens. I, I would say it, never, it was never a conscious thing. I think my, my producer Joanna would probably say yes. <laughs> that's exactly what you went and did. Um, I, I would say it, it was un, it was an unconscious thing. Uh, I mean, she, she's she's often described this this journey for this film as the sort of the one conflict zone that I was too afraid to go to. <laughs> um, but, um, so, I, so I mean, look, may, maybe is the is the answer. Um, I mean, certainly, if you if you're dealing with other people's problems, it, it's a very it's, easy, it's yeah. a neat way to not ever have to look yeah. at inside, right? And um, just one last thing for me: um, Are you giving? There were some tragic events happening in Virunga National Park lately. Yeah. I mean, you know, that I spent a year living in Virunga doing making that film, and um, you know, you forge very deep friendships. So, I, I, you know, I'm in touch weekly with lots of people there. Joanna, who produced Virunga, she she works directly with the park as in, in terms of communications. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's like daily there's daily contacts, and I, I was there last year doing a, a load of. Sh- Sort of short films for the park as well. So no, no, there's a very much, and that's I just have to say that's with all of the films that we make, those bonds are very strong, and you just you know, and we yeah, we always continue working and have those relationships with everyone. Definitely. Um, what advice would you have for people with depression or young people like your brother um, uh, watching this film? Because like feeling like your life is over so young is like horribly common. It is. Uh, I. That, that's a. I mean, that's a very big question. I, I would. I would say rather than take my advice, I would say that the key thing people should reach out to. There's a number of brilliant organisations who can give professional advice about this, and we're working with a number of them as partners on this film. Like one. The, one particular one that's, that we that I think is excellent. It's called Calm. It's a campaign against living miserably, and um, that. And they. I mean, they target young men in particular. Um, or the Samaritans, who we've also been working with making the film. Um, I, I would say people should, should reach out to them. That would be my that would be my main advice. But my advice to anyone who knows somebody who they think is down, 
please talk to them and share. And that, you know, that, that, it's as simple as doing something like that that can really save a life. Because if someone is in that spiral, it's, it's actually quite easy to intervene and change that those thought process which might lead to someone making an attempt on their life. What was, like the one thing that I kind of wondered, like what was the whole kind of thought for how you were going to do the documentary? Because I don't know, what, like, did someone feel, were they in a truck, on a bike, just walking? Oh wow, you mean, you mean the logistics? Yeah, of so like the logistics and also it was like, when was, when you kind of go zoom out and there'd be a map and it'd be like Scotland and the, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, so how did you decide which places to focus to go on, to. which places to go? Yeah. So we went, so everywhere we filmed, there were places that we'd spent time as a family when my brother was alive and mm. we'd, we'd gone hiking and trekking and camping in those places. So that, that's what all the locations were. Um, in terms of the logistics, we have a very talented cinematographer we work with called Franklin Dow, and he built, he spent months building a rig in the back of a backpack. So it was basically like a gimbal system, there was a camera on it pointing backwards, and all we could see was a small black hole of a lens. Oh, so not too intrusive. We, so I mean, it was, al yeah. it was almost invisible, and then he'd walk in front of us, and he'd have a screen, and he could control where the camera pointed, and what it was doing and it, it is incredible because you just very quickly forgot that, mm. I mean especially for me you know as a director it's very hard I know we're making a film yeah, yeah. but even so I, it's very quickly forgot that he was there and you forget the presence of the camera um, and, yeah. that, and so he he was walking with way more equipment yeah, yeah, yeah. really <laughs> heavy backpack so is that what the yeah. stops were you're Do like oh, yeah. give him a rest for a minute let, 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 there, was, there, was a few, there was a few there was a few but he's very solid. I mean, he twisted his ankle on the week before we left. Oh my! And he still walked. Walk, I mean, I think we did about 370 miles in the end, and he walked through all of that. So, yeah, he's like an ox. How long did it take you in total? Five weeks. Yeah, in five weeks. And um, what was the decision on who to bring? Because I, I know you brought like Leon, his best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jack, then your dad and your partner and your mum. But I imagine there were other people who knew Evelyn and who kind of he impacted on their life. So how did you kind of decide? Right, well, these will be the people. I mean, this you know, this these are always these are really difficult decisions. Um, in the end, I've, there was an earlier version which of the film which was there was more people and it was. Or bigger in scope but in the end it, it was we just chose the immediate family mm. and Jack and Leon were his sort of two they, they both he was friends with them at different parts of his lives Jack as a ch really from the age of about four growing up and mm. Leon in, in this school years yeah and it just felt that those two it made sense they also knew each other Jack and oh, Leon okay. so we, we knew that there was an interesting dynamic between yeah, them two kind so of like a book exactly it made it made sense yeah that was why. So you mentioned there's a suicide minister. Yes. Now. Um, what do you think about NHS cuts for mental health and um, like, I mean, how little treatment there is available for young people with depression and schizophrenia and mental illness? 
though I, I mean clearly it's 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 terrible <laughs> I mean it, it's the short answer it's it's I mean that's you know it's part of much bigger cuts to the NHS which are, I'm, I'm really troubled by um, and um, you know it's no surprise that we have the levels of male suicide uh, and suicide in general in this country because you know that that's it's related if you don't have the right sort of infrastructure in place to protect people then that that's what happens but it is heartening to see there is a minister for suicide. I, I do think that could be a big, could make a really big impact. And the very fact that over the last few years, these issues are being talked about. There's so many people now who are openly talking about their mental health, and that that's really positive. So I I, I do remain optimistic about what might happen. So in the aftermath of this, this takes out, takes off in terms of like the the whole um, scheme. Would you follow it up with something else if they asked you, like charities or TV channels or whatever? Like another film? Like another film, like a campaign, like something coming out of this project? I mean, I, I would say that any sort of social impact campaign that you do tie to a film, they, they evolve. And so, you know, and we're completely open to that. And um, and we're, we're just at the very beginning right now. So at the moment... Um, th what we're doing is the film goes on general release in uh, in, in three weeks' time uh, in cinemas across the country, and at every single one of those screenings, there's there's, there's a Q and A with people from the film, but there's also a walk uh, done in, in association with the Ramblers, and uh, so people can watch the film and then they can go on a walk for a few hours and talk about the film and the issues within it, um, and that's where we're beginning. And, uh, and then there are plans to then expand this over Europe, across Europe and into the United States as well. So, so let's see. But our, our website, evelynmovie.com, has lots of information about that. And it has support, it has support base. It, it does, it does, absolutely, yeah. Like, I was just wondering, like, how your kind of opinion and thoughts on suicide and mental health have changed from, I guess, you know, even going further back from being a kid to then having this happen with your brother, and now after you've talked about it more with everyone yeah. and seen their opinions and thoughts and feelings, like how, how has everything kind of evolved for you? I think, I think I'd, I'd probably say my opinions have evolved in the same way I think a lot of the general public's opinions have evolved. I think I probably had ideas that that what well, a that mental illness was was almost sort of shameful and maybe you know even a sign of weakness right I mean I talked a long time ago but I think that's that's often how the public it's been perceived and I think now I, I have a much more sophisticated understanding of it these you know these are illnesses it's it's of course it's not shameful those ideas are ridiculous it's just an illness like getting you know whatever cancer or something you know and and no, there's nothing shameful about any of these things. So I, I, yes, it's evolved. It's evolved enormously. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Fa thank you. Thank, thank you very, you very much. much. I hope that was useful. And, uh, congratulations. Cool. Uh, thank you. So um, the general release is in three weeks. The general release. Uh, our website, um, evenmovie.com forward slash watch, has a whole list of screenings. But uh, we, I think, our first. 
uh, general releases on the 27th of October, and then it goes across the country. So there's screenings all over the place. Okay, splendid. That's great. Thank yeah. you very thank much. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. I hope to see you at Sydney from the other side. Well, that is it for another episode. We'll be back tomorrow. And um, I believe we should have for you uh, reviews on the new Steve Carell, Timothy Shalott film, Beautiful Boy. Um, Aquarelia. And there's also a surprise film. So... uh, yeah, we will see what that is. It could be anything. Last year it was Ladybird, so who knows what you'll get this year. Hey, maybe it might be Bohemian Rhapsody. It might even be um the new Robin Hood film. Who knows? But tomorrow you will. All right, people. Take it easy and remember, enjoy that festival. <laughs>